Welcome to the Clear Cruise podcast. My name is Andy Harmer and I'm delighted that you're listening to our latest episode. And in this episode, we chat to Linda Springman, who is the Director for Cruise and Maritime Marketing at the Port of Seattle. Linda, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We hope you're well. The time difference is ridiculous almost to the West Coast. I hope it's not too early for you. Not at all. I've got my cup of tea. I'm ready to go. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Um, your role is Director of Cruise and Maritime Marketing. So can you give us a sense of, of what that means for the Port of Seattle? Yes, absolutely. So I am the I oversee the, all of the cruise operations for the port and uh, the, the Maritime Division of the Port of Seattle also has um, our commercial fishing fleet and recreational boat. And we have a couple of marinas. And so I do the marketing for all three of those businesses, but um, focus on all the operation of cruise. Fantastic. And are you from a maritime background or is there a, is there strange route to the Port of Seattle for you? Uh, you know what? I have been in Seattle for decades and I've been in the cruise industry for all of that time. And so this combines my love of both Seattle and the cruise business. Fantastic. For those who don't know Seattle, it is a beautiful city. It's in a beautiful area of America. So give us a sense of kind of what the Seattle area looks like and what downtown is like. You know, I'm looking out my window right now at the Puget Sound. It's an absolutely beautiful place, just surrounded by water, um, nature. You know, you hear we get a lot of rain. It's a bit cloudy today, but that rain brings the most beautiful, gorgeous green, uh, you know, summertime, springtime uh, seasons. So it's really just a magical place. Um, Fairly compact. The downtown is very close to the airport. We're within like 15 miles. Um, So very convenient to get into town and see all the sights. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great place. I've been lucky enough to visit it a couple of times. It is a beautiful downtown area and a beautiful area itself. Um, how important is the port to Seattle and the surrounding area? Um, you know, the, what's interesting is Seattle sits right on the water. The waterfront is you know iconic here in Seattle. We are so fortunate that um, we have we have two different cruise terminals. One is right downtown. You get off the ship and you can walk down the street to all the um, you know, the waterfront activities. The other one is about maybe 10 minutes up the street on the north end of downtown. So they're very proximate to downtown. And the port feels like our uh, our waterfront should be accessible to the public and a working waterfront, which is why, you know, the commercial fishing industry is so important to us. Cargo is very important. You can see all of that outside our windows um, when you look out at the waterfront. So two terms or two berths for cruise ships to come in on. How, how busy a port is it for cruise? I simplified that we have two different berths uh, or t- I'm sorry two different terminals but we have three berths so two oh, at our um, north terminal at 91 we um we are blessed with abundant calls we this last year in 2022 we had 295 calls wow. um the vast majority of those are home ported ships that turn here so they're uh, guests embarking and sailing up to Alaska for seven days, come back and spend time in Seattle or get on their plane home. The other 5% of the calls that we receive are ships transiting up to Vancouver to home port for their Alaska season. So it's really Alaska focused that all of our cruise business is around. And then the repositionings to and from. Yes, you mentioned Alaska and clearly Alaska is close by. It is one of those hero destinations for many holiday makers, let alone cruisers. So what kind of itineraries are there from Seattle? Yeah, Seattle's predominant itinerary is the seven-day round trip, um, and it's you know very convenient one-week vacation. It lets people sneak in another two, three days or a week to spend here in Seattle. 
um, exploring, which is really valuable to us as a community. So, you know, most of them are seven day round trip. They go up to Alaska, do uh, three port calls in, in Alaska, whether it be Juneau, Ketchikan, Sitka, Skagway, it varies, um, and a glacier experience. And then the night before they arrive in Seattle, they all do a port of call in the evening in Victoria, which is a really a fabulous way to end the cruise. Um, we're seeing a few more companies do some longer cruises. You might see like, you know, 10 days, but the predominant itinerary is the seven day cruise. And those cruises to Alaska, these are these are not new itineraries. These are itineraries that have been running for many decades. But presumably you're seeing some different companies or different ships uh, using Port of Seattle. We are. Each year there's a little bit of variety in what ship arrives. We see, you know, a, a fresh ship and some of the newer uh, newer ships being deployed to the region. And that's really recognizing the, you know, the importance of the Alaska cruise to these companies. You know, we, we look at last year was our real recovery year post-pandemic. And as the rest of global cruising wasn't, wasn't entirely open yet, we benefited from a couple extra ships. But we're seeing that um, even compared to last year, to, we're expecting 2023, we'll have a, a handful fewer calls, but we expect occupancies to be up. So overall, we're expecting potentially our strongest year ever as far as passengers go. And in, in terms of those passengers, uh, we talk a lot about Alaska here in the UK as an amazing destination. Do you get a lot of international guests arriving into Seattle? We do. Um, I think Vancouver has been traditionally considered more of the international market, but we do see a lot of international um, SEA, our uh, airport here, has uh, right now 22 nonstop flights from the UK. In the summer, it rose to 33, 35, I think our number is. So um, there's a lot of opportunity for guests to um, easily access Seattle. Um, and then, you know, domestic flights, if you want to explore beyond Seattle, once you're already this far, um, there's abundant opportunities for nonstop flights to other parts of the country. And we talked about the time difference. It's a reasonably long flight, but presumably that allows international guests to then cruise and stay or stay and cruise. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what we we hope will happen. I mean, Seattle's already very established as a, you know, brilliant tourism destination. There's, you know, abundant things to do here in the city and as you get further out um, into the state and spending enough time to not just like rush down and see Pike Place Market and then have to get on a plane, I think is really important. Spending time to like jump on a ferry and go over to one of the islands or take a day and go to Mount Rainier or some of these other really iconic places that are so accessible so close by, but you really need an extra couple of days because you can't miss Pike Place Market, Space Needle, and all of the other iconic things to do in Seattle. And yeah. of course, spend time to enjoy all of the wine, coffee, beer that is iconic here and the seafood. So just, you know, making sure you give yourself enough time to try all the really fantastic restaurants and local cuisine. And it's funny because you mentioned it was a bit cloudy. You get a little bit of rainfall, but actually that does lend itself, therefore, to almost the area being that garden of america for some of those produce and you know the wines actually I, not that i'm a wine connoisseur but you do some great wines from the area as well absolutely yeah washington is the second largest producer in the united states second to california so right. i think that's a surprise to everybody but yeah. really incredible incredible wine region um i've seen a stat that uh 70% of the hops for the entire North America are grown here. So, of course, there's oh, wow. a huge beer industry. And we know that coffee Starbucks started here. So there's a lot of innovative companies that have really leveraged some of that. And you talked about the breadth of things to do in the area. Presumably, that means you get different types of holiday maker arriving. So your breadth of guests from families to older couples and solos, etc. 
Is, is that the sense that you get from, from a poor perspective? Yeah, I, I think it's just like it, it fits with Alaska so well that there is something for everyone. Each port in Alaska you go to, there's such a variety of things to do. And that um, that aligns with here in Seattle. There's something for everyone to do, depending on your interest, whether you've got families or, you know, you, there's museums. You can, you know, fit it to whatever's important to you. I also think Alaska is one of the best destinations for um, extended family. If you want to do like multi-generational family um, reunions or something, a cruise is the most absolutely just perfect way to do it. You know, the grandparents can, you know, have less activity, but make sure everybody's meeting them for dinner at night and the families can go out and do what's interesting to them in port. Yeah. But before we move off this kind of cruise tourism aspect of it, do you um, find promoting the port means you also then have to promote the city and the area? Or is it is it a, is it a natural fit with some of the other tourism parts to, to Seattle? Yeah, you, you know, they just go hand in hand. We work very closely with Washington State Tourism and Visit Seattle um, and really work in conjunction with each other when anybody's out promoting anywhere. And, you know, from the port perspective, we sort of draw the line like we don't we don't necessarily promote the cruises, but we promote how convenient we are for cruising and how how perfect it is here. So there's a lot of collaboration locally with the promotion. Which lends itself to the next question, actually, which is around the economic benefit of cruising, because we know that cruising brings a lot of benefits to the coastal communities they visit, particularly for those big turnaround ports. So are you seeing that economic benefit reaching into Seattle and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I can throw out all these stats and ho- they, they won't stick with you but to me they're really pretty compelling that yeah. um, we we kind of range that the economic benefit to the Seattle region from cruise is 900 million dollars that's made up of tourism that's made up of jobs provisioning all of the things that happen when a ship is turning and the, it, that's just such a big number it's hard to get your head around so as we've kind of translated it down a little bit thinking about how every time a cruise ship is calling they're you know they're provisioning the ship for you know most of that seven days you're fueling it people are spending a couple nights in hotels going to the the various attractions um and and there's jobs generated to support all of this so it really has this kind of you know wave effect of how broad it benefits the community and what we're trying to do is look at is try and tell some of those stories um about how broad that is there's a lot of you know you know maybe small farms whose produce might go on the ships unbeknownst to them when there's some consolidation happening. So we're working on trying to find those great stories. Presumably that impact is on other small and medium-sized businesses in the area who also rely on a successful cruise industry. Yeah. As the industry came out of the pandemic and in uh, 2021, we had about a half a season. The season started midway through the summer. Those businesses downtown that had been shut down during the pandemic and um, were, were just overjoyed to see the cruise passengers come back and they could feel it in their businesses at the waterfront and even up to the market into downtown. Yeah, amazing. Amazing uh, recovery of the industry there. It's a short or it always used to be a very short season up to Alaska. Has that changed slightly? Yeah, it's it's evolved over time. I think it's a creep that you really don't notice until you count up the number of sailings. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's typically been like mid-May to mid-September. That's right. what it used to be back in back in the day, and that has crept. Our first sailing um, this season is April fifteenth, um, and our last call will be our our last ship before they all head south is um, October thirtieth. So this wow. is these ships are spending six plus months here in the region. Yeah, fantastic. 
I want to move on to sustainability, if that's okay. It's a conversation, obviously, we have as a cruise industry, but actually most industries do. So, obviously, a lot of work is being done in this area by the cruise lines on the cruise ships themselves. Mm -hmm. But, but, but as a port, what kind of things have you been doing in this area? Yeah, the the port is really committed to um, environmental sustainability efforts, and and we've made commitments to work to reduce greenhouse gases. That's scope one, two, and three. The the emissions that we create and the emissions of our customers. Um, and the, the stated goal is by 2030 we will have reduced it by 50 percent, back to a 2009 benchmark, and that by 2050 we will um, be zero carbon. Um, and that aligns so closely with what all the cruise lines have said as well. Um, so we're all really working collaboratively. The, the biggest impact we can make um, is to ensure that when our ships are at dock, we provide them an alternative. So the um, the two berths at Terminal 91 have been um, have had shore power, cold ironing opportunity since that terminal started. So we're decade we're a decade into having shore power um, for those two berths. And then Pier 66, our one terminal, which is right down here on the waterfront. We are in the middle of a um, a project right now that will have that electrified by the 2024 cruise season. Right. Wow. And actually, given how long that's been, the first um, facility has been in service, you were pretty ahead of the curve then. We were. I think the first uh, North America um, shore power birth was actually in Juneau, and ours followed right after that. And we were the first to have two facilities to plug in. Um, I think to this day, still in North America, are the only one with two. Wow. That's going to change quickly, of course. <laughs> um, and then we'll yeah. have our third birth very soon. And, and for those who are listening, uh, who maybe don't uh, know much about shoreside electricity, actually, it, it simply means that the cruise ship can switch off their engines in the main, and then use some of the, the power that's generated locally, which is a, an amazing thing. Okay. Yeah. And the, the thing I'd add to that, Andy, too, is yeah. that the, the great story behind it is that be, because we um, are abundant with rain in the wintertime, it, this is really green energy. This is, yeah. you know, hydroelectric. So, um, you know, if you're if you're going to uh, do this kind of a shore power, you better make sure that the energy you're providing is really right. aligned. With yeah, that's a really good point. Thanks. And back to the rain. I know we're, you see, this the British, <laughs> British in me talking about the weather again. Presumably, shoreside electricity, whilst a massive change, it isn't the only project that you have underway in this uh, area. So, could you give us a sense of some of the other work that you're doing? Yeah, I, I think where a lot of our energy right now is um, collaborating with our cruise partners because, you know, when when they're alongside, they are able to plug in, but that is just a small portion, about 10% of their seven-day itinerary. So we are working very collaboratively with them to try and, uh, I'll say matchmake, like connect them with local resources to help with um, alternative fuel development, supplying you know, how you make that make economic sense for a business year round when cruise ships are only here six months of the year. So we're really trying to help um, help think through that challenge that they have in, in front of them and make, you know, be a partner to the solution for them. And then looking at our own operations, you know, other things we can do to electrify some of the support to cruise. Yeah, fantastic. It's great to hear so much work being done in this area. So congratulations to you and the team on that. Well, we're not far off, actually, the start of the season, I guess, given it's an early April start. So is there something you're most looking forward to from the season coming? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just the anticipation that the season keeps starting a little earlier. We've yeah. got, you know, we... We are uh, multi-purpose terminals at Terminal 91 when the cruise ships aren't there in the summertime. Right now, it is um, busy with a flurry of activity from the commercial fishing fleet. And so we need to balance those businesses. Right. Um, at you know Pier 66 here, right down at the waterfront, um, 
this is a very busy area, especially in the summer with tourists. And so um, we we have to be very thoughtful about our operations and how they impact the rest of the business. Um, but I would say that the community is um, already, you know, looking forward to the season, trying to understand what what does it look like? What are the number of calls? What are the passenger counts look like? Um, understanding days of week and how that will impact their business. So we're doing, you know, as much community outreach as we can to make sure that we are, um, you know, sharing what's happening. This year we have a pretty, um, pretty small changes to our fleet. We have two ships changing out, but no new capacity at this year, um, coming up this year. So it should be a fairly calm year. Um, what we're really looking forward to this year is that we are, I'm knocking on wood, we are through the pandemic and in the more the slightly more normal operations that we're working very closely with our health department to right. ensure that we're all um, in communication and and make sure we know what protocols are are set up and who needs to talk to who when if anything should bubble up sure yeah good good well we wish you a great season uh, it's such a beautiful part of the world there's clearly some great work happening at the port of seattle so Good luck for 2023 summer. And I guess many customers, as we know, will be booking for 24 and 25 and really planning ahead. Um, where can people find some additional information if they're looking for it, Linda? Yes, um, I, I would say if you're looking to just come right to Seattle, um, Port of Seattle, we have our own website that, that talks about cruise and other tourism opportunities here locally. Um, Visit Seattle is the regional tourism bureau. And of course, the state of Washington for you know further afield opportunities yeah. Um, is a good resource as well. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you again for getting up early for talking to us. Uh, have a great summer of 2023 and we'll speak to you again soon, I hope. Thank you. Super. Thanks for the opportunity, Andy. And that's just about all we have time for. A big thank you to you for listening and to our special guest, Linda Springman, the Director, Cruise and Maritime Marketing at the Port of Seattle. You can listen to all of our podcasts at cruising.org where you'll find a wealth of other resources and learning as well. But until next time, thank you very much for listening.